Chelsea search for a goal-scoring solution. The Blues are back in the race for Jude Bellingham. And we need to talk about Mark Kukurea. Hello there, guys. What is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another edition of Let's Talk Chelsea. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're keeping safe on this Thursday. Closer to the weekend, uh, closer to Chelsea back in action. Going to have my preview of that massive game at Stamford Bridge on 3pm Saturday kickoff. It's... Uh, Southampton game is massive for Chelsea it really is based on another defeat last night and kind of the mood around Chelsea and a lot of things we've been speaking about so we will go into that tomorrow hopefully ahead of what could be a, a confidence boosting weekend for Graham Potter's side but in today's news video we've got quite a few to get into you know transfer news mainly but we will touch on some other stuff too if you are new around here and like Chelsea content hit that subscribe button hit a notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads give this video a like it really does help out if you're listening on the podcast feed thank you so much for tuning in son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 min podcast network uh, the first part sort of to get into today is some transfer news that I saw last week and a little bit this week uh, regarding Chelsea going in for a striker this summer yes the January transfer window is as recently finished but given Chelsea spending and you'd think after spending 600 million pounds you were kind of done in terms of the first two transfer windows of, of this season and, and then you'd think about next season but already plans are being drawn up uh, for the summer as expected and it seems like Chelsea are going to be focusing on signing a traditional striker this is according to Ben Jacobs of CBS and it's true that Graham Potter does like Ivan Tony as a potential target he said I am sure they'll watch closely how he's punished for alleged gambling charges which of course is a big thing looming over his head at the moment before discussing further but he does end with saying it's one to watch I know there have been other names floating around like Victor Osman, who of course is having an amazing season with Napoli this season in Serie A there are other names out there too but you know you think about Chelsea spending all that money and I think there's a lot of people turning around now I saw it a lot of the punditry after the Borussia Dortmund game where we didn't sign a striker I still didn't see that as as the biggest priority in the window because you know we're in a sense that I, I look at other areas where we've needed to strengthen for so long like central midfield and I also like I said in my Borussia Dortmund review if you haven't seen it already that we still have some players who are connecting who are gelling who are getting used to this team um, I, I still have my doubts whether Kai Havertz will ever be kind of that striker solution but he has been playing as that for some time and at times in in short bursts he's shown the capability to score goals and at least Chelsea in the last few games are showing they can create opportunities and hopefully that fortune will turn round uh, you know if we are creating more opportunities of high value but in terms of those names I really like Ivan Tony as a player I feel that you know it's one of those players again that could Chelsea, this new recruitment team, who, who probably don't want to be spending 600 million and, and can't afford to spend 600 million every single season, can they find players like Tony from the Championship? Because I, I know a few years ago when Tony was banging in a lot of goals for Brentford at, before they got promoted to the Premier League, a lot of people uh, would have shrugged their shoulders and kind of turned their nose up at a player in the Championship. But I feel that Tony, you know, you look at the way he's quickly adapted to life in the Premier League, he's scoring goals consistently, he's a great penalty taker. But above all else, I think that, you know, physically he, he really deals with the league well, but just a very smart player too, technically. He he fits in with the way 
Brentford want to play under Thomas Frank. I, I praise Brentford a lot, I think, for their highly effective game. But I do feel that there is a player there in some of the performances I've seen this season. Uh, the one away at Man City really sticks out. Two very different finishes from Ivan Tony there to win Brentford the game. But a player that could make that jump up. Uh, and could it be to Chelsea? You know, would it? Would that be a player you're kind of targeting? But another player Chelsea could be going in for this summer is Jude Bellingham, who, of course, played against Chelsea for Borussia Dortmund last night. This is from Matt Law before the game in the Telegraph. Chelsea want Jude Bellingham despite 600 million. That, that fee once again being brought up, that number. Matt Law reports that there is a recognition within Chelsea that they are not among the favourites to sign Bellingham, who is also a target for Liverpool, Man City, Real Madrid, and missing out on qualification for the Champions League would make their task even harder. Apparently, that will not stop Chelsea doing everything in their power to make themselves part of the conversation over Bellingham in the summer when the midfielder is expected to leave Borussia Dortmund and the club are expected to keep open lines of communication to the teenager's advisor. Bellingham had a decent night last night against Chelsea. Uh, 84% pass accuracy, 69 touches, uh, 7 out of 12 ground jewels, 1, um, 2 key passes. You know, one of those players who, who very much started for Dortmund in their big win last night against Chelsea. I didn't think Bellingham dominated the midfield, I have to say. I think as the game progressed, uh, Loftus-Cheek and, and Enzo Fernandez. um were a little bit more, I think, in control, particularly in that second half when Chelsea were creating opportunities. But there's no denying Bellingham's talent. I've been speaking about Bellingham as a Chelsea target, I, I want to say since like 2020 maybe. Um, it it's been a while now. And even maybe before that, when Frank Lampard was still here, of course, the, the story that Lampard has told quite recently that they, I think it was Jody Morris, that apparently they showed Bellingham around the training ground before he moved to Borussia Dortmund that summer. So it could have been a very different story. The one thing I would say about Bellingham now we've signed Enzo Fernandez is that I don't think that when I look at the midfield now we've got a new player in that uh, Bellingham is the, is the profile we need. I, I think we need, and you saw it last night, I think we need a, a ball winner. We need someone who is going to sit a little bit deeper, who is going to be more of that traditional number six type player. It's not that Enzo Fernandez can't do that role. I think he's already shown that with his passing um, ability, he can do that from a deeper position. But just in terms of, you know, a higher caliber opposition when Chelsea faced them in those transition opportunities, you know, I think that Enzo had a, a much tougher night. Uh, and just being able to give Enzo that license to to go further up the pitch and create havoc a bit more with his passing, I feel that there are other players for me that I think Chelsea should be targeting. And, and I know I say his name a lot, but I think, you know, Declan Rice falls into that category more than Jude Bellingham does. I think Jude Bellingham is a really, really good number eight. And I think that absolutely whoever he goes to, I think would, would improve their midfield. But in, if you're asking me what I think this, this Chelsea midfield is lacking, I, I don't think Bellingham is as much of a priority now we've signed Enzo Fernandez. But I'm sure many people will disagree with me because he's, he's a quality player, Jude Bellingham, no denying that. But I, I think it would be unlikely he may come to Chelsea given where Chelsea may be at the end of the season. The final thing I want to speak about today is a, another piece from Matt Lord that was released today actually around the booing of Mark Correa. Um, and it goes into some personal issues that, that Kukurea has faced this season, some some not nice ones that I'm sure would have affected any player. And I definitely suggest go and read the piece. Um, Kukurea, you know, I, I do... I, I Number one, I, ju I just think the booing of players, whoever they are, I just don't think is a good idea. And I don't... Unless that player is... Uh, you know, you see like the Granit Xhaka incident quite a few years ago. Whilst in, in that incident, I had sympathy for Xhaka because he'd been facing a lot of abuse online. He'd been facing sarcastic cheers inside the ground. That kind of built up over to that point. 
Um, and it's, it's incredible when you think about that Xhaka incident where he is now as an Arsenal player. But, you know, you just look at that one where he was kind of provoking the crowd or, you know, you leave the club in a, in a very hostile environment or, you know, th- those kind of things. You know, we saw Thibaut Cotuaro came back to Stanford Bridge. I've, I haven't seen sort of dislike for a player coming back to, to Chelsea in my time, like to that level. But I don't understand, like, there's criticism of a player, and this is something I bring up a lot when I speak about Mason Mount, but I speak about, you know, a lot of players, and I rally against it for a lot of players, is that I the visceral, like, dislike of your own players now, I just find very, very bizarre. Um, you know, and, and Kukurea, it seems to me, has, has become another one of these players who people seem to, like, just really, really dislike, and I don't understand it. It was a bit like last season when... You know, the stories about Christensen was coming out and people just had this very toxic turn against him. And I'm not entirely sure what Christensen did other than having bad performances, which a lot of players do, you know, in, in their career. I, I don't understand the justification for it. And, and booing him, I don't know how that helps what is a very difficult and, and challenging season. I don't know how booing a player who is clearly going to hear that, how that helps him become a better player. And I think that the comparison that Matt Law makes in his piece is one that I made, I think I've made already, is, is you know, to Jorginho when Maurizio Sarri was here. And I wrote a lot for the Chelsea Echo at the time, um, you know, Simon Phillips' old, old site, when I wrote a lot of pieces for them. And you can still find them, I think, online somewhere around the time that Jorginho was getting booed uh, and around the time Jorginho was sarcastically cheered when he was substituted, like we've already seen with Marco Carrera, like I saw and witnessed when uh, he was replaced with Ben Chirwell against uh, Fulham. It's not good. It's toxic. I don't care who it's against. Um, I, I don't think it creates a good environment. It's something that I was speaking about when I did that Mason Mount video last month of uh, it, it creates a culture that I think people, I can understand why players maybe don't want to play here because I don't know how it creates a better environment when I've seen it against the likes of not booing, but, you know, the toxicity we've seen against a variety of players over a number of years. You know, you go back to Gary Cahill, Willian, Marcus Alonso, uh, Kepa Riza Balaga, I remember, went through a, a really brutal period, particularly in that 1920 season. Uh, Jorginho, as I've already mentioned, you could go through so many, uh, you know, in this list. I think there are fewer players who've been abused and and. Of course, booing in the stadium is to another level. Social media toxicity, unfortunately, is something that you just see across football. When I'm seeing booing inside the ground, um, I, I don't think it's it's the nicest look for Chelsea fans, and I don't think it comes across very well. People pay their money, and they're entitled to boo if they want, but I, I don't think it creates a nice atmosphere. And it's not the case that you always have to be happy, happy, positive, and you can never criticize anyone. Um, but I just, I, I do wonder, and people think like, what impact that has on these players, and what environment does that create for a player who's clearly struggling with confidence this season? Um, so yeah, I know a lot of people just look at these footballers like robots and two D objects that you know you can be as abusive and, and harmful, and you know what, say whatever you want as despicable as is, and we see that on social media all the time, and think that there's no collateral damage to that. I think it is a lot more nuanced than that, and uh, I hope for Kukurea's sake he can he can rediscover some confidence because he hasn't been playing well recently. Um, but I would never go as far to start booing a player when they're when they're down on you know performances because I don't think that's going to help him in, in a difficult time. But th- that's my opinion. So that is it for today's news video. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to watch or listen to it on the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea, and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Mm-hmm.